we're back with another edition of the Leo G Show. This is I am Leo G, and this is what I do. This is episode. I think we're at 22 right now. We're in 2021. I'm just I'm just loving it. I'm doing you know doing my thing with this podcast, man. And I got another guest tonight, and hopefully this is this is gonna be a very very. I know it's gonna be a good show. I, I know it's gonna be a tremendous show. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, this is a, a person that I've known for quite some time. I worked with him for a while. And he's doing this thing as well. I'm bringing on my boy Lim, Lim Millions, more to the show. What's going on, Lim? How you doing tonight? What's going on, Lim Mo for the fifth flow. What's going on? What's up? Man, look, man, I'm good. So, Lim, we've known each other for quite some time. And it kind of feels like, Lim, I knew you before I knew you, right? Because me and you kind of have, like, some connections from your days when you were down at Georgia Southern. I know a couple of, you know, mutual friends, Amir, LeBlanc, those guys when you were yeah. down at Georgia Southern, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, like I said, definitely. Um, I, I, I wild out down at Georgia Southern. Um, I tried to live up to the name of the party school. Uh, it took me forever to get out. Um, I, I was on that five-plus-year program, but I did graduate, for those of you guys that, that want to know. But um, it, it was tough. It was tough. There's a lot of distractions, fellas. And for them young bucks who haven't decided what school to go to, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very great choice. Um, you know, it's not far from home, and but it's far enough. Uh, tuition's not that bad. At least when I went there, it wasn't that bad for tuition. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. A lot of our people are there. Uh, the weather's good. And if I, if I didn't already say that the women, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So by the way, so he speaking, Georgia, so we both, we both live in Atlanta. We kind of grew up here in Atlanta, of course, and Georgia Southern, when we were growing up, we kind of old school now, Lynn. we, we old mm-hmm. heads, mm-hmm. but for us, when we were growing up, man, Georgia Southern was a school that kind of had a reputation. It's a, it's a great school. I'm not really familiar with what's going on now, but I know when I was going, I went to middle Georgia college and I lived in Statesboro every weekend. I was down there because it was a lot going on, man. And we had a lot of fun down there, man. Legend, so like, uh, Wooden Nickel, oh, man. Uh, Blind Willies. Blind Willies, uh, Legends. Uh, it was Brouhaha when I was down there. That, that club yeah, probably changed. Yes, yes. And I'm just saying, and if, if you were cool with the lighter side, uh, you can get on the Greek row. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, players ball, players ball weekend down there kicking it. Yes, yes. So yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely um a school that brings tons of mem- memories. And like I said, you know, it's one of the things where I will never forget it. Players ball, I, I had a, a hand in that. Uh, I actually did a um. They had an old skating rink down there, and uh, it, they probably jammed. I know the fire marshal could easily shut us down when we had that event because seriously, I probably close to a thousand people and uh my brother and i used to dj um we kind of got started with that um where we were um dj for the ras um and so we were djing for the ras and it, it kind of started off uh, uh leo you remember when they used to do a uh, bmg music when they used to offer you like you buy one cd and get like 15 free for a penny absolutely absolutely okay, okay well that's how i kicked off so i was like a cd head or a cd junkie and I have books and books and books of, of, of CDs, but I'll pretty much just listen to them in, in my dorm. And it got to the point where my brother got down there. Um, he, he likes to hustle and go back and forth, but he found an RA that had an entertainment budget. And they were trying their best to try to find a DJ, but they didn't have enough money. So my brother had got a Sony Discman and hooked it up 
back of um one of the little stereo systems and he was DJing from off of that and he came borrow my CDs. And I just told him I said, "Yeah, you go ahead and borrow my CDs, bring them back." And then when he came back like hours later, he had fifty dollars in his hand, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" You know, so so you know, like, how'd you where'd you come up with that money? And then so then he's like, "Well, I, that's what I did." So then me and him got to plot into the point where we like, "Well, let's let's see if there's other RAs that are out there that have an entertainment budget and they can't afford a DJ, and we'll just keep duplicating the thing over and over again to the point, Leo, where we start making some nice money. Where well, we got to the point, where we made a mixer, we bought a Techniques uh, turntable." And my pops helped out with the other side. And then once he helped us with the second one, bro, it was over. It was over. And then that's when we started separating ourselves from everybody else where we could start going in there, charging 100, 200. And then it started got to the point where we were doing events. And seriously, at Georgia Southern, every Wednesday, I was making about $850 every night. And so you rich. You rich up, at Georgia Southern <laughs> making $850 every Wednesday night. In, co in college, exactly. In college, what? man, making that type of grip, man. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, we were, rich. we were rich. We had a street team of girls and stuff. Uh, we had people on, the, on our payroll. Um, we were just we were just making things, and we were trying our best to be organized. And, and so that's how I kind of got to that point. And then with Players Ball, uh, it's just an ongoing event. It started off at Players Club apartment complex in the very back, and it just kept picking up and kept picking up to the point that it spread from that uh, apartment complex throughout the whole city. And then it got bad because then they started treating us where they had ATVs and choppers, SWAT teams, uh, National Guard. It, it was it was stupid to the point where they kind of pretty much just shut the players ball down. And that was pretty much the end of it. It always comes to that. Like I said, man, when, you know, back when I was in my younger days, it was always like three things. Of course, it was always Freak Nick. And then, of course, BCR, which was uh, Black College Union down in Daytona. Mm -hmm. We would always, being from Atlanta, like, we, we were kind of in, like, Freak Nick fatigue because, like, we were here. We already knew how that was going. So we would love to go down to Daytona to kick it for Black College Reunion. And then, of course, Players Ball and Orange Crush in Savannah, yeah, that was like two of the biggest things down there, like you know, with the colleges, man. And we just love to kick it and do it, man. So, look, though, we've talked about our colleges, then we want to kind of fast forward into now, man, and get into talking about some stuff that we love to talk about. So, we, 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 we Atlanta natives, right? We've been here for a while. I know you, you, are you, you were born here, or I, you, uh, no, sir, I am, I am where I, I, I flew here, I didn't grew here, but I came here in 91, so I was 15 years old when we, uh, we came to Atlanta. My, my father just got out of service, and um, and and the crazy way we even picked land. I'll be real quick with it, but um, uh, we were, he had a choice to go to Quantico, Virginia, and then it was Atlanta, and then I remember that right when he was, before he got out, that there was a huge, huge snowstorm that came up there and just Washington D.C. That whole area just caught a big old L. And I'm like 15 years old. We from California because I was born and raised in California, but we had lived all around the world on top of that. I'm like, shit, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know nothing about snow. And so, you know, we already had a handful of family members here in Atlanta. So it's just one of them things we're like, okay, let's let's just make Atlanta the home. And, and that's that's how it ended up happening. That's how it ended up being here since uh, 91. Before, before, before the Olympics, people, before Olympics. All right. So, yeah, so I, t I tell people this all the time. Like, look, if you were here before 96, you are considered a local. Damn it. OK, anybody, anybody after 96, you know, 
you got to find somebody to kind of give you those credentials to, to to say you were local here in Atlanta because this city is growing leaps and bounds. Them, you've been here long enough to know almost thirty years, so you know, man, how this city has grown. Yeah, and just like you know, it's it's crazy. But you know, shout out to all the transplants, y'all help us flip the state blue. That's about yeah. all I'm gonna give y'all credit for, right? Because yeah. other than, other than that, man, you know what I'm saying. The traffic here is crazy. Y'all can miss me with all that other stuff. But look, <laughs> <laughs> so look, Lim. We're gonna talk a little bit about some sports tonight, man. Me and you both, you know, we've known each other for a while, and we one of the things we do have an affinity for is Atlanta sports. You've been here for quite some time now, and you've mm-hmm. taken on to the sports scene here specifically um, with with our Atlanta Falcons, and you're well versed in in the things that are going on with that organization. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, I love to talk about my Atlanta Falcons and your Atlanta Falcons and. So, and what's going on with the state of the franchise? And it's a lot of things. Speaking of today, so as we record this podcast, there's a lot of stuff that just happened with the organization today. Yep. But I want to talk. I want to talk about something first about this organization. Um, we just had the playoffs happen, and it was something that was very, very funny and unique to to this organization and this fan base. So, this has been a crazy uh, sports time for this. This, you know, we we're still dealing with the pandemic. The NFL decided to go ahead and have a season, of course, with a lot of other, you know, college, collegiate football went, went along, NBA went along. And, of course, the NFL was like, you know what, damn it, we're going to go along too. And they act, they didn't miss a beat, actually. The only thing they missed was preseason. But who did, who give a damn about preseason, yeah, right? Yeah. So check this out. So the, the Atlanta Falcons, we start out the season and we suck ass. Yeah. <laughs> we end up firing the coach, firing – uh, the GM and we go through the whole season with an interim uh, uh, head coach and we don't we don't do well. You know, we finished the season, I think, with like, you know, four wins and we move forward and we'll talk about what's going on with that in just a minute. But one of the things I want to talk to you about, Lim, is we just had the playoffs, um, the division round of the playoffs that just happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the New Orleans Aints. And yes, I purposely <laughs> always say Aints. I got to take the S off that shit. I never. Ever. I can never call them by their proper name because this rivalry is so deep. Lim, yeah. The Banana Pill Boys. Yeah, the Banana <laughs> Pill Boys, yeah. So, look, let's talk a little bit about this rivalry, man. Living here in Atlanta for as long as you have been living here and being a fan of, of professional football and being a fan specifically of the Falcons, man, let the people know, like, how deep this rivalry truly, really is. Yeah, I'm just saying it's just one of the things like it's it's oil and water. It's oil and water. I I think the, even the rival, rivalry to me in, intense even with Katrina. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like at times that Atlanta was, for lack of a better word, infiltrated by the enemy. <laughs> you know, because before that, before Katrina, I said to me, I see I thought that Atlanta for the most part was a stronghold. Now I did get pissed off a number of times when the previous ownership Remember Leo? They used to black out the games. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was I was a season yeah. ticket holder, so of course, oh. like I remember, man. Yeah, I remember when they used to they piss off, and, and so therefore with the, with the rivalry, it's just one of the things. Like you no, know, you just look forward to. It. I only thing that I, I I hated that they changed about the rivalry was I didn't I didn't want to play them. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to play them towards the very end. I, I always like to play them early in the season to get the season started. You know, we yeah. remember we used to have a schedule where we used to play like it was like the first game or the second game. You know, it's like early in the year we used to get a chance to play New Orleans, and yeah. and I loved it. I loved it even prior to 
trash breeze getting over there and stuff. And um, uh, uh, when they had Pat Swilling and and all, it was a Joe Horn. You no, know I'm saying all them hot garbage. All them, and so, all them, man, we uh, go back. It, it, we it, go back nonstop. All the way back to the days of uh, to to to. I I, I know more about. Their history than some of the Aints fans, some of the recent Aints fans. Now, yeah. you know, all the way back to the Jim Haslett days, to the to the Jim Moore days, yeah, the A Bear days. Like this was something that you just really look forward to because let's be realistic, and I've talked about this before on the show, man. These are not two story franchises, right? No. Um, I will I will not discuss and talk about the Bounty Gate ring that they have, right? The pity ring that yeah. they got. Yeah. Other than that, other than that, go go look up their history. There's nothing you know, storied about their franchise. But the only thing that was, like you said, that we look forward to was playing them every year because, like, hey, for the longest time we were in the NFC West, right, and we yeah. knew that the, the 49ers were not going to be denied, that every year the 49ers were both mm-hmm. our asses. Yeah. <laughs> you know Joe, they had Joe, Jerry, Long. They had everybody. Or Roger, man, they were, they were tearing ass every weekend. Every week they had exactly. ass, they, they were tearing us up. But, but so, that's so the only thing, yeah. The, the rivalry is ridiculous. And it, the thing I always like to say, too, is that, and it's this, um, I would rather see us win those two games against them and lose every one other other game other than that <laughs> than, than to have a successful season and get swept by them. And to, this year wasn't even any better because we got swept both times. We got swept both times and we had trash season. So just um, – yeah. We got swept both times, trash season, and we got beat by the third string tight end because Drew Brees. Let's remember, Drew Brees was hurt. Yeah, hey, and 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 Taysom Hill, who if you didn't know is a third string tight end for the Aints, beat us and threw his first like career touchdown pass against us in the second. It was all it was just a messed up season for us overall. But we're moving forward with that in general. But let me. So I said all this to say this: how how thrilling? How did you feel? After Sunday night, and, and and it was it was a little bittersweet too because another man was involved in that victory by the name of Tom Brady, and we all know Tom Brady and his history with the Falcons and what happened in the Super Bowl. I don't want to relive that, but you know they were. I've had this conversation with several Falcons fans over the last couple of days. If I had, I I can't take it any other way. I don't mind Brady putting the Aints out because yeah, the no, Aints, I, I agree. The history that we have with them goes way further back than that whole debacle we had with them in 2016. So I was like, yo, man, if if we could get anything, man, put the Aints out. And now this week we'll say go Pat, go as we move into the to the NFC championship. (laughs) championship." Hey, (laughs) but it's like you you nail it in in that order. I want to see the 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 Aints go down. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't really care for Tampa Bay, you know, or even even Carolina. I'm like, you know, hey, eh, you know, it's whatever, you know. Even like when uh, Cam did his run, it it didn't it didn't bother me. I said, don't get wrong, I want to see my team there, but it didn't. Even when Cam made his runs to Super Bowl, I was like, all oh, well, but at least it's, at least the Aints ain't there, you know. At least exactly. they're they not there, so I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it, but. Um, Definitely, it's just it's just it's just one of the things that it's it's a love hate thing, and I just again I would rather lose every game <laughs> than, to see them, than to see them win. And just like I said, with 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 Tom taking them out, it was beautiful. I already knew the start of the game when when I saw who's gonna be who the matchup was gonna be. I already said, hey, I already know who I'm voting for. I'm, I'm going for Tom, and I was, <laughs> I was jumping down, cheering like like that was my man the whole time. You know, I was jumping up like, like let, let's get it, let's get it. And when I saw a boy through that pick for the third time over, 
it's a wrap. It it is a wrap. It is a wrap. Look, look, as quiet as it's kept, right? Look, I, I I have a respect for great players, great athletes of the game, right? I do. And I will say this much, man. I'm not gonna miss him. I'm definitely not gonna miss Drew Brees' ass. No. I'm really not. No. But I respect what he did, what he was able to do in his career um, down there in the swamp. I mean, he put up some big numbers and did some big things. So, you know, I respect it. But you know, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not gonna cry or lose those. That he he he's possibly going to retire. I mean, you know, hey, you know, you had a good career, but guess what, man? Time moves on. Father time is unbeaten. Yeah, when we saw that in that playoff game, man. He's he's going through a lot of injuries. You know, he's he's long in the two, and you know he couldn't damn throw a ball over twenty yards to save his life. Nah, he, he, could. Damn, he, looked, he looked like he's afraid to get hit a number of times. He's like, yo, just I just throwing it away, you know. So he <laughs> did look like he was like, yo, I'm not going to take that hit again in them ribs. I never had a rib injury before, but I could just imagine that the pain that you feel uh, every time you're taking a breath that you could feel that pain. So. Um, and yeah, especially, and especially down. being, especially being, you know, forty-two years old, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I, but definitely, you know, Leo. I, I know once he sits his little goofy ass down, um, <laughs> and then time and Father Time gonna get time too. Uh, seriously, the the NFC South is gonna be wide open, bro. It's gonna be hey, wide man. open. I'm looking forward to it, man. So that's that's that, that's a perfect segue right into talking about our Atlanta Falcons, right? So it's enough talking about the damn Aints and 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 their miscues in the last four years and not being able to you know get to the big game. So let's talk about our Falcons, man. So today is very significant and important. So this when it, by the time this podcast airs, it's no secret that the Falcons have now we now have a new coach. We not we now have a new GM. So mm-hmm. specifically, we'll, we'll talk about the GM first. Since we were already talking about the Swamp Rats, we'll talk about the GM. Um, so Terry Fontenot, I don't know how much you've, you've looked into it. Terry Fontenot is the new GM of the Atlanta Falcons, which is very ironic because he comes from um, New Orleans. Yeah. He was the uh, uh, assistant GM to Mickey Loomis down in New Orleans. Uh, great guy. I've saw, I've heard, you know, nothing but great things about him. I've, I've listened to a lot of uh, audio on him. I've read a lot about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's the new GM, takes over here in Atlanta. Uh, from from down there. So, like I said, I don't know how much you've read about him, but are you excited to just at least start a new regime, right? Oh, oh most definitely. And I did I did get a chance to go into depth. Uh, I said I thought that we were going to go another direction with uh, the GM, but uh, when I had a chance to, to find, know that just kind of like check him out, saw that you know he played a two lane. He was actually a player himself. He played safety. Um, he didn't have. It didn't seem like he had a very long season and stuff. And like you know, for the fact that he grew, kind of damn near grew up in that organization of the Aints. Um, and one of the things that Blank brought up was that one of his jobs or his task, Leo, was to dissect and figure out the weaknesses of the Falcons. You know, and so okay. that, okay. that that was his skill set was to be able to go through and figure out what we weren't good at and and find soft spots in in our armor, and that's what he did. And so I guess Blank was looking at yo, if this guy was set up to kill us, then what better way? And he knows our weaknesses. He knows where we're hurting at. That he'd be the same guy to be able to know how to fix them. You know, because he, he had an idea of where we need help at because that's where he was he was attacking us at. You know, exactly. so I mean, yeah, to me, it was a great hire. Like I said, he he came, you know, highly. Everybody spoke highly of him, of course. I mean, 
we'll see how how this pans out here. But you know, I, I listened to the whole press conference today, man. Man, for what it's worth, man, he sounds like he's fired up and ready to go to be a GM. This is his, you know, first shot at at. And there was a lot of talk, and I think Arthur Blank kind of touched on it, like. If he was to stay in that organization, of course, he was going to be the heir apparent to Mickey Loomis and yes. take over the GM spot in New Orleans. So that's how high they thought of Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. down there, man. And like I said, he was a very well-spoken guy. Talked about, you know, what he, he wanted to do and what was the top priority, you know, for him to come in in Atlanta and, and turn this thing around. And there was, I think it's kind of smart on the Falcons front office part to hire somebody who's very kind of familiar, I think, with our organization, right? Yeah. They're a division rival. And like you just alluded to, you know, they were able to look at some of our deficiencies here in Atlanta and, and kind of pick us apart because they they've had they've had a good run of just being a thorn in our side for like the last mm-hmm. decade or two. So, you know, shout out to them, you know, and shout out for him specifically. If he was able to do that, man, and, and, and did a good job of it, man, coming in now to say, okay, hey, I can help you guys get stronger and we can move forward to be a very successful organization. I think that was, you know, it'll turn out to be a brilliant move if we could be successful by Arthur Blank and Rich McKay in the front office of the Falcons, man. So shout out to, to Terry Fontenot, the, the new GM for the Atlanta Falcons and it, moving on to this new regime. How, so, Lim, I know you kind of like were just like Thomas Dimitrov, man. He, you know, I think it's stark contrast to Thomas Dimitrov with this new guy. Do you feel as though, do you have a, have a sense of like, this guy is really going to move the needle with this organization? Yeah. Well, like I said, again, from just doing the, the research or what was available about him, um, he spoke of, and I saw this in more than one article, you know, but the, I think that's the, the, the mentality of, of most GMs, I'm guessing, is to pick the best p- player that's available. So hopefully that he's not trying to do no cosmic uh, Einstein-type goofy moves or whatever, you know. <laughs> I, not, and the thing is, and the reason why I say stuff like that is that only person I can see that could pull off that the hocus-pocus type stuff is Belichick. He's the only person I can see that trades down and goes down and be able to pick these random players off the streets from anywhere and make them into superstars for the next two, three years. And then he discards them and then he, he brings in another player. So I don't know what he's going to be able to do. I just, you know, hopefully that he gets it right with the, um, with his first pick. We got such a high pick. Um, I know where my heart's at. I'm assuming probably later on in the interview, you're going to go there, but I, 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 I know where my heart's at, where he should go. But at the same time, too, that he's the professional in the in the whole realm, and I just hope that uh, he he does right by by the Atlanta fans and 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 gets the right pick, you know. Yeah, we'll get to it, man, in just a minute. Yeah, talent evaluation is key, and like you just said with Belichick, man, I think he is a a just like when it comes to evaluating talent, the man is, you know, he's a he's able. Yeah, exactly. He's able to evaluate talent, people that, like you said, would not even get looked at. All of a sudden. You know, there there's stories about several players that he's gotten to be efficient in certain areas that you as most most teams wouldn't even think of. He's that methodical and he thinks that that much into the intricacies of the game. So hopefully Terry Fano will be that guy to look into some of uh, the personnel issues that we have and, and get us back on track. So moving moving along, I kind of went a little backwards talked about the GM first because it was just a segue the way we talked about the, the, the angst and moving into it. So now we'll talk a little bit about the new head coach. So look, 
So I'm gonna be honest with you, Lim. Can I be honest with you for a minute? Go ahead, brother. Preach. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. So I kind of got caught up in, in name calling, right? When we first when we fired Dan Quinn, I was the first dude to like jump on the internet and start to see, okay, like, well, who's gonna be a good fit? I'm, I'm talking about early on, like, who are gonna be some of the early candidates, right, to probably come in and be the next Falcons head coach. I'm looking. I'm looking at all you know Bleacher Report. I'm all on the Athletic. I'm all on you know whatever I can find to kind of just get immerse myself in who could be the next head coach. And I see all these names pop up and I see Eric B enemy pop up and I see, you know, all these other guys. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, man. It's some good candidates out there, man. We're going to be good. And then we move forward. The end of the season comes, we do an interviews. Then I fast forward to like a couple of days ago. And then all of a sudden, boom, Arthur Smith is now the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Who the hell is this? Who is that? Yeah, I'm shaking my head. I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and realistically, man, because of what we've been through as fans with this organization, I'm like, I don't know about you. I don't have any more expectations when it comes to this damn team, right? I don't. I don't, like, have any expectations. It, it, Leo, it, it's, a, it's an abusive relationship. It's an abusive <laughs> relationship. It's one of the things where you know the pain is coming. You just don't know what's going to set it off. And and that's, that's what it is. Uh, you know, ever since Fulton County Stadium – where we had heartaches and stuff that's happened there. Um, I hate it like when like we lost Dion, you know, and so it just um it, it's it's really an abusive relationship. So it's it's hard to have that trust that you want. One of the ones that pissed me off, remember when we lost that game, we went to Europe, when we went to uh England and we lost the I was there, I was, I was there to the, the Lions. The Lions. I, was there. I was there, brother. Yeah. I'm like, come <laughs> on. Like, like, why do I have to go through this? You know, just call the play, you know. And, you know, I know it's not like Madden, but I'm like, man, anybody could have ran a, a short pass or something. You know, y'all just, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's one of the things where the the abuse is real. And even for a lot of land sports, you know, they keep saying that we have this whole, um, what, what's the word? Um, curse, curse. Curse, which I, I don't believe. I just think we just have a stroke of bad luck, you know what I'm saying? And everybody goes through it, but – um. I, I really, I really pray that that this is the right decision with Fontenot and even with Arthur Smith, who I I don't know where they, they got this guy. He they said he had top five defense for like what the last three years. Offense, offense. So he's an offensive coordinator. Yeah, offense, offense, offense. So when when it was announced, and so for what it's worth, man, this guy was interviewed. You know, there's like seven or eight head coaching positions open right after the yeah. season was over, and for what it's worth, he was interviewed by like you know five of the seven teams that had coaching positions. Yeah. And it became apparent that he was a hot name. And I started to do my research and I started look. He's OC for uh the Tennessee Titans. And of mm-hmm. course, you talk Tennessee Titans if you watch football like it's nothing really special about their offense, right? They got Derrick Henry. Like mm-hmm. he he ran up he was over 2000 yards. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a freak of nature. He's a moving um, building. Yeah. Exactly. The man is, you know, you know, Jim Brown freakishly just, yeah. you know, yeah. can do do what he does, man. But there was a lot of things when I started to do my research on Arthur Smith that kind of struck out to me, man. It was like he's a very, very consistent person um, as far as like what he likes to do. And some of the things that we were very uh, deficient in as far as offensively, he was very, very strong and his offense did very, very well in red zone efficiency. And uh, running the football, those are some of the staples of his offense. So when when I put it all together, I said, you know what, this is really not bad, right? The last two coaches that the Falcons have had have been defensive minds. 
yeah. said, you know, hey, maybe it's time to go offense, right? Maybe it's time to look into somebody that could get this offense right. This offense has never been bad, but we've never gotten to a point other than the year we went to the Super Bowl where we were just lights out at offense. We've always been inconsistent, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't been consistent. So maybe with an offensive-minded coach, we can find some consistency, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, no and, and I agree. And it, and they say his style, and again, from the, the from the few uh uh videos I've seen other offense, they t- they tend to make the formations all look the same. And so that, you know, being a defensive player, you know, you're sitting there looking to the other side and you're trying to figure out is this gonna be a run? Um, and with Derrick Henry being in the back, that definitely is a, a problem. And then the thing is, or this is gonna be a pass, and, and he was real and Smith was really heavy on the tight ends. So if, if you don't remember that the, the tight ends did very well under his offense. And so, you know, uh, you know, with us having our tight ends, and maybe he might go heavy on, on the tight ends to be able to, to help out with the offense. But I, I definitely think that with him having the uh, the red zone efficiency is very high with him, uh, the style of offense, you know, even possibly maybe drafting a a, a high-end uh, running back for uh, for his offense. You know, he the, the sky could be the limit. And then you got Matt Ryan, who's not Tannehill. You know, he's going to be slinging the hell out of the ball. So you got the threat of Matt throwing the ball downfield, too. You know, hopefully if he's still around. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, we'll talk about that in just a second. You know, I think that was another brilliant move on, on the organization, bringing somebody in. One of the words he said quite a bit in his pressure today was adaptable. Right. Yes. And being able to adapt. And I think in the NFL now moving forward is you have to be able to adapt to change. Mm-hmm. The NFL is always moving. It's not linear. It's always constant. Things are constantly changing. You have to be able to adapt to, to the things that are going on. So you can't just get stuck in one way. You have to be able to say, OK, hey, you know what? The times are changing. We have to move forward. So I think that he's going to be able to take the offense and adapt it to the strengths that he has. Uh, like you said, uh, whether we have Matt Ryan for another two or three years or we move on from Matt Ryan in another year or so. Yeah. So that's going to be key and that's critical. And I think that was one of the biggest things that they looked at as an organization. Like, who can we get to take us into the next five to ten years as a head coach um, and make us competitive? So big, big shots to them. So I want to talk a little bit. We'll move into um, – into the draft here in just a second and, and just get some tidbits and your opinions on the draft. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this fan base, Lim. And you're, you're, you're a big fan of the Falcons. You've been to games. You understand yeah. the atmosphere here in the city. And I want to get your take on this because I talk to everybody about this when we talk about the Falcons, right? right? Because I think on the outs- from the outside looking in, a lot of people feel like this is a weak-ass fan base, right? That yeah. we, We're like a front-runner fan base. And we're not built for this. I mean, you think about, you know, other organizations and their fans, right? You, We don't really come up in the conversation. No. But, Lynn, when you think about Atlanta Falcons fans, man, like, this, this, we we are a very, very strong and loyal fan base, right? Yes. Yeah, no, no, and we are. Um, There are, there are some folks that are on the fringes. Uh, I know when we had Vic among, in our midst, uh, uh, it was fanatic. You know, the, the games were, were awesome and fun to watch and stuff like that. So that's, to me, at least my knowledge, that's probably the highest point of when the the, 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 the fandom was was to this peak. Um, not to say that Matt can't do the same thing and stuff. It's just like I said, I, I just feel like that it's, it's back to that abusive relationship 
that you know the, the letdown that this is our year and, and i'm and i ain't gonna lie to you leo i'm so tired of saying that myself you know this year you know let's go ahead and chalk it up let's work for draft picks this is our year we're just missing we're, we're one piece away and and, and next year we're, we're going to the ship you know and so um i don't know and, and then on top of that too and i'm, I'm just saying that you may disagree is be well we, we talked about it earlier is that you got all the 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 people who are not AT aliens that that coming into town that bringing their uh, um, allegiance to other teams, yeah, allegiance to other teams to our city. So you got yeah. some cowboy, you got the Packer folks, you got I, I know a handful of people who are Patriots fan ain't never been to Boston, Fox. <laughs> ain't, ain't if I told them to spell Massachusetts, they couldn't do it, you know. And so the thing is that now, oh, but you a Patriots fan. You know, I don't hear him anymore because ever since time left, you know, so I don't hear him talk about it anymore. But, but, uh, yeah, you know, you know, you know why you don't hear him talk no more because they moved down to Tampa. They got Tampa yeah. Bay gear and shit. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm just saying that the the, the, fan, the fandom does need some some work. Um, it's still, I think it does. I think we got a dope stadium. I think the experience of going to the game is one of the best in the country. I've been to a handful of stadiums uh, uh, around the country, and I think that we're still number one. We're still number one in that department. So I think we just need the team and uh, the, the the management and staff to, to get us where we need to be so that we, when you come to the House of Pain, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that you know what time it is. You know? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say this much, man, and I've said it before and I'll say it, I say it again, man. The atmosphere here in Atlanta for professional football games is, is bar none, man. Let me tell you something, man. We have a great experience here. You know, I, I would put it up, and I've been to several NFL stadiums myself and them all over the country. And, you know, I, I've, I've been to, to, to Buffalo. I've been to New Orleans. I've been to, I've been pretty much – I've been around, and yeah. I can say that. Here, man, we have an atmosphere like none other, man. You know what? Sometimes, and I, and I was just telling another a fellow Falcon fan today, man. Like, you know what? Even when we have bad seasons, we still find a way. Cause let's be, we, like I said, we're not a story franchise, man. But it's been I've been doing this, man, my entire life. I've been a, a, a dedicated season ticket holder for over twenty years, and even when we suck, man, it's still. A, a great day down at the stadium, mm -hmm. man. We have a good time, man. We tailgate. We know how to really, really support our team, man. So this is a loyal fan base. And, you know, put like this, when we're winning, that's just icing on the cake, man. Yep. But when football season is in and, and, and the Falcons are playing at Mercedes-Benz or when we were at the Georgia Dome or at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, it was always a fun event. But when these, when the boys are winning, oh, my God, when they're winning – Man, it's it's a scene like no other. I tell people, man, it you know everybody come out and and being that we are the city that we are, Lim. Yeah, you already know, man. What you know, I ain't even got to go into detail. When the Falcons are winning and it's the hottest ticket in the city, all the celebrities are there, all of the all of the shoe models from all of the the, the nice establishments, mm -hmm. they come out. The gold, man, it is ridiculous. A, the gold to be on fire. Oh man, it is a true event like no other. You know, like I said, when when the board when they winning, yeah, man, it's something to see. So hopefully we can get back to our winning ways with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. I'm excited to have a new regime come in. So moving forward, I want to talk to you a little bit about since we're talking about the fans and we're talking about how it is at these games. So like we haven't drafted this high. We're moving forward, April's coming up because, of course, it's still some football left to be played, but we're not in it, right? So we'll start talking about the draft. So moving forward here, 
We got a draft coming up in April. We're picking at number four, right? We haven't picked this high in quite some time. I think the last time we had a pick this high was Matt Ryan, yeah, and that yeah. was you know twelve or thirteen years ago. I think uh-huh. we picked. I don't know if it was actually four, but it was it was in the you know top five. I think when we picked Matt Ryan. So now we come to a crossroads of having a, a high draft pick, and I think you know, like you just said earlier, a lot of Falcons fans are like, okay, you know what? Hey, let's get this high draft pick. Let's 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 move forward and let's kind of rebuild this franchise the right way, get this high draft pick. Some people want one thing, some people want another. So I'm going to get your opinion on it. Cats out the bag, got the number four pick. We already talked about Matt Ryan and moving forward. He's 13 years in the game with this franchise. Yeah. So, Lim, you, you're GM, you're on the clock. I'm going to put the ball in your court. You tell me what you're doing with this number four pick, man. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start setting up for the for the future, and the, I think that the, the number one pick was gonna be a quarterback. That is the uh, that in my eyes, that's the leader of the team. That is, you know, when you look at any other team, when you go to Packers, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers. You know, uh, when you're looking at any other team, you know, you're doing the same exact thing. So I think the very first pick should be a quarterback. Now, what style of quarterback? You know, you got the mobile quarterbacks with Justin Fields, um. And uh, the quarterback from uh, I'm I'm going blank here for the one for B- BYU. So the thing is that uh, I think that's what's, what needs to be done because that way you could kind of groom him to be the future quarterback for later down the road. Um, hopefully that uh, that Matt doesn't mind keep on working and, and helping us out and groom this guy to the next level because well Matt's 36. 30, he's 36, 37, 36. He's up there. He's gonna say he's 36, yeah. 35. Who's to say that he's gonna go and do like 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 how Brady is doing where he's going up to his forties, you know, and still playing? You know, Matt may say, Yeah, I want to do one more, two more years and I'm done with it. You know, and he's been a very durable quarterback at that for as many years he's been playing for us, and he hasn't had any real uh serious injuries and stuff like that. But I think if we're on the clock. And I got that pick. Uh, I'm going for a quarterback. And, you know, I can't disagree with you on that. And, you know, for what it's worth, man, you know, Matt Ryan has been a solid quarterback for this franchise. And he's, he's, you know, and when it's all said and done as of right now, you know, me being a fan of this team and watching this team grow up, you know, through the 90s, you know, through the two thousand, through the early 2000s, even when, when, when Vic was here, man, mm-hmm. when it's all said and done and this guy does hang up his cleats, right, I think, I, it's safe to say that he's probably the greatest Falcon to ever play for this organization. And I'm talking yeah. about Matt Ryan. Yeah. Greatest Falcon ever played for this organization. A lot of people don't want to, for whatever reasons, they they have this thing about him or whatever the case may be. And that's a whole other topic of conversation that we have to leave for another podcast. But when it's all said and done, you can't deny It's just like Dan Marino. I tell people all the time, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. But damn it, when you, when you say Miami Dolphins, who's the first person you that think, comes You think of Dan Marino. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So it's the same. It's the same thing with Matt, man. Matt has done, and I, you know, he's gonna forever be one of my favorite Falcons, man, for what he's done for this organization. Mm-hmm. But of course, with everything, man, like we talked about earlier, Father Time is undefeated, and of course, you have to eventually move on. So I'm on the same page with you, now, man. Like, listen, if so be it, if we're at number four and the quarterback of the future is there, staring you in your face, of course, you have to go ahead and pull the trigger and take it. You know, I think with the salary cap issues, a lot of people, a lot of people that are casual fans of the game don't understand that, yo, like, you can't just cut Matt Ryan and get rid of him, right? right? Because there's a thing called the salary cap, you know. Dead money. Yeah, we're still paying that man a lot of money. So it's not like, okay, yeah, 
we can cut Matt Ryan, draft whatever quarterback, and the situation is over. No. So Matt Ryan is at least going to be the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, in my opinion, for another year, right? Yes. You draft the quarterback of the future if you do take a quarterback at number four. Now, here's the thing, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this because we're, we're coming up at the mark, but there's a thing here in Atlanta, and you talked about it earlier with Michael Vick. This city, the demographics in this city, right, lean more toward African-American market. I think we have the largest contingency of African-American fans in the NFL. And there's a lot of talk about, of course, we know Trevor Lawrence is going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's without question. Yes. Okay. So we, you know, uh, the Jets possibly could take a quarterback at number two. And then you had the Miami Dolphins picking at three. And of course, we go to four. With that being said, Lim, is there, you know, I know the organization is going to do what's best for the organization, but as a fan base, we have a young man named Justin Fields who's right now the quarter. He was, he was the quarterback of Ohio State just declared for the draft. He, he might be there at number four. Is there any importance in looking at an African American quarterback? Because we know what Michael Vick did when he was when he came into this to this city back in I want to say oh two when we when we brought him in. There's a big part of this fan base that wants to see another African-American quarterback. How important to you as a fan is that? Is it very, is it important that we, we, uh, we, I, we go there? Not, not, don't get me wrong. Cause I said, I'm, 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 you know, said I love my people, but just to be honest with you, I'm more focused on, I want to win. Exactly. I, honestly, Leo, I want to win. Cause even even when Vic was there, you know, we, there was still a lot of games we, we lost. It was fun. To, I don't get me wrong. I love watching him. Love watching him. He did his thing. But the thing is that I want to win. I don't want to see a great show. I want to go to the ship. I want to talk trash. I want to say we got Lombardis all up in the back of the trunk. You know, and that's what I want. That's what I want, man. I'm tired of it. You know what I'm saying? We're so close with the with the um with um. The, the Super Bowl when we, when we made it there, um, but that's what I need in my life. Now the thing is, you know, seeing a mobile quarterback, a black quarterback, or whatever get in there is yes, it will be icing on the cake. But for me, at the end of the day, I don't care who it is as long as they get the damn job done. You know that that's that's where that's where it's to me that, that's that's me now. But um, you know, and, and you know, Atlanta, you know, is, is the pinnacle of the world. You know what I'm saying? We just saved the whole country. You know, yeah. we say so yeah, we, we did, and we say the we say the world from the Cheeto. So the thing is that you know we you know it, it'd be awesome to have you know a black quarterback that's very successful and and Bill pull off things that that he can. But um, right now, to answer your question, I need a winner, and I want to win. Yeah. I want to win. win. I want. That's what I want. I want to win too. I don't give a damn if he's purple. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We're gonna come in here and we're gonna put wins in the column. That's all that matters to me, man. So, you know, I would love to see an African there, and there are a couple of uh, African American quarterbacks that are high up on the list uh, yeah. when it comes to, to 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 this year's draft class. So, I would love to see it if it's there. But you know what? I'm not gonna cry about it, and I'm not gonna boycott or whatever the case may be if it doesn't happen. So, mm-hmm. like. You know, whatever whatever Terry Fano and, and Arthur Smith decide at the end of the day, I'm a rock with it. Of course, they're going to be tied to this number four pick, right? At the start of their regime here in Atlanta, for both Arthur Smith and Terry Fano, they're going to be tied to this pick for the rest of their tenure here in Atlanta, right? So they got to get this right. The Obviously, this, yeah. 
obviously they have to get this right, whether it is a quarterback or whether it is, you know, another position. Whether and I'm not I'm not opposed to, you know, as long as we don't take a punter or a goddamn kicker, right? In the first <laughs> At number four, I think I'm fine. But hey, if they take a punter, man, and and find note we trust, I guess we have to see how that all works out. But you know, we shall see. And I, I'm just excited for a new beginning and a new start with this team. So, so Lim, man, we we we're at the time, man. And I'm, I'm obviously I hope I can bring you back to talk some more about you know Atlanta just in general and and some of the things that you have going on because I know you like to talk sports, man. But look. If the people want to get at you, because I know you got a lot of stuff going, man, go ahead and let the people know how they can 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 reach out to you and and check out some of the th- stuff that you got going on, brother. Yes, um, I have a video podcast that I have on uh, Facebook. Uh, we go live every Tuesday um, from eight thirty, and we use try our best to keep it under our Leo. Just like this show, you know, you you, you once you get the, in the groove of talking. Uh, sometimes we do blow over our time, but, um, and then also too, you can check me out on my Instagram, uh, as Lemillions, L-E-M-I-L-L-I-O-N-S. And, uh, I'm on Instagram while now acting a fool, but pretty much the podcast is about, uh, current events, what's going on in the world from our perspective, from a black man living here in Atlanta and just, you know, married with kids and stuff like that. And again, I have a uh, two co-hosts on there with me also. So we just in there, we just act a fool and just uh have a good time every Tuesday not at eight 30. That's what's up, man. I look forward to maybe collabing with you on that, man. So, yeah. you know, Hey, as always, if you want to check me out, you can also uh, check me out on Twitter. It's the Leo G show, the number one, the Leo G show, the number one on Twitter. Also, you can check out my personal Twitter. If you hit me up at Southern set, uh, if you want to talk Falcons, you want to talk anything, you want to talk Atlanta, you want to talk about whatever, hit me up on that, uh, at Southern Set on Twitter. Also, I have a Facebook page, even though, Lim, I don't, you know, Facebook, I, I'm there and I'm not there. But, you know, yeah. I got the Facebook page, man. It's uh, the Leo G Show on Facebook. So follow, like, and subscribe there. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram as well. My personal Instagram, you can hit me up, Walker 2 I think that's it. I don't know. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> It's like I I don't even really pay attention to my own damn handle on Instagram. I guess I got to do a little bit better of a job of marketing myself. But yes, I'm on Instagram too, so hit me up. And I definitely put links in the bio to what Lemillions has going on, man. So look, Lem, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming on to the Leo G Show, man. And I I look forward to doing some more collaborations with you in the future, brother. And then I appreciate you bringing me on the show, man. I'm proud of you. You know, keep the grind and stuff. And, it, you know, the only way is up. Man. So, you know, the, the thing is that, you know, we always sometimes think that uh, folks aren't paying attention to what we're doing. And you, and you never know. Sometimes your biggest fans are the people that you don't even know. You know, so uh, just just keep grinding. And, 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 and I think we said it off air was like, you know, let's just keep it fun. As long as we're having fun, let's just keep doing it, you know. It is what it is, man. This has been another edition of the Leo G Show, man.